Welcome to the Six Figure Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Reeves, and my purpose is to help women grow their online businesses, influence, and income with ease. I've built a multiple six-figure business on social media and have mentored now thousands of women across multiple industries on how to do the same. If you're ready to drop the excuses, learn all the juicy secrets, and step fully into the six-figure and beyond boss that you're meant to be, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Welcome to the Six Figure Influencer Podcast. I am so happy you are here. Today, while listening to this episode, I hope you feel like a fly on a wall, listening in on a very honest, inspiring, eye-opening, and you already know what I'm going to say next, juicy conversation between me and Brittany Shogren, or as most of us know her as, at Loverly Gray. So Brittany, if you don't follow her yet, she is one of the OG influencers. She was one of the first. She is responsible for trailblazing the path for the thousands of influencers there are today and making influencing what it is today. She started in 2016 before stories, before links, before all of the capabilities that they have now when you could just post a picture and you might have a Snapchat. She, that's when she started. And I share how I came across Brittany in the episode. So I'll let you hear like my first interaction with her because it's actually really cool. But the reason why I like Brittany so much is because a few different reasons. Number one, I admire her consistency and work ethic. The woman hustles in the best way. And she obviously she shows what she wants to show on the internet and you only see a certain amount But from what I learned in the interview, she really does a good job making sure that she cuts work off and she's present with her family and they take an amazing amount of vacations each year, which we also talk about. So I admire that. I admire how much she cares about what she does. And it's very evident. You only have to follow her and see a little bit of her content to see that she really has a passion for what she does and styling and helping women find the right clothes for them. She really goes the extra mile to show what size to get, how something fits, what something looks like on different body types. You can just tell she cares and she actually wears and likes the things that she shares, which is super important and something that not a lot of other influencers abide by. And I also admire her because of the insane seven-figure, yes, seven-figure business she has built from the ground up. I mean, just mm, so good. And it's all because of her consistency. It's all because it started with what was a passion project that she saw the potential in and she took a leap of faith and went all in before she had the proof that it was actually going to work out. So In this episode, you are going to hear all about how that went down and so much more. I'll go over in just a second. 
a lot of the things that we cover. But in case you are new to Brittany, here is a little bit about her. Again, like I said, Brittany started her blog in 2016. After working in a professional corporate setting, she realized her love for fashion could go beyond helping just her coworkers and their wardrobe. So she started the blog with the intention of helping working women find affordable professional clothing. Brittany has now expanded to inspire her day with daily looks workwear, and sales. She has worked with many name brands, including Nordstrom, Target, Loft, Lululemon, and Anthropology, And she is a host of Life with Loverly podcast. So that's just a little bit about Brittany. And I'll tell you what you can expect to learn from this podcast. So I, in order to prepare for this, I went and I listened to her podcast. I'm already subscribed anyway, but I went back and I listened to a few of her beginning episodes because there are episodes where she gives a lot of her background and how she got started. So I went back and I listened to those and I listened to a few different episodes, not just on her podcast, but um, like on her website and things like that, where she's telling the same story again and again. So I didn't want her to just come to this podcast and repeat the same story again. So I did ask her about her background. She does share about her background, but she doesn't go super in depth because I wanted to hurry and get to like the now and what she's doing because what she's doing now is so insane. She has a team of seven people, including her husband, who she retired a couple of years ago. Like I said, she has a podcast. She's grown her business to seven figures. She treats her influencer business like a true business, which is no doubt why why she's getting the results that she's seeing now. So if you want to hear a bit more about her background, I encourage you to go check out Life with Loverly podcast so you can hear, because she, if you scroll back to some of the first, um, you'll see where she talks about uh, you know, where she came from and all those sort of things. So in this podcast, here's what you are about to hear us discuss. Definitely a little bit of how, of course, she got started, especially how in the beginning she balanced the blog with her full-time job in corporate sales. We talk about how she learned about blogging and did she hire a mentor? Did she buy a course? Like, how did she get a feel for it? how soon she went full-time and how she knew it was time to go all in. We talk about her team and how she went about hiring a team of seven people, including her husband, like I said, and each of their roles and what they do for her in the business. We talked about one of the things that I know you're going to love is we talked about how she built the insanely engaged and trusting audience that she has. So she has an audience of, I think as of today, 915,000 followers. So she's close to a million. And as I was recording it yesterday, she was at 914. So she's just, I mean, she's just growing insane. But anyway, um, what's more impressive than that, because you've heard me talk about this before, that It's not just about growing a big audience. Like those numbers, those metrics are sexy, but unless those people are engaged with you, it does nothing for you as a business owner. 
it's truly just a vanity thing. So with her audience, yes, there are a lot of people, but the engagement is there. Hence why she has so much success that she does now because her people listen to her. They watch her. They are tuned in and they trust her. So when she goes on and she says, hey, these shoes are the bomb, everybody freaking buys the shoes because they're like, okay, well, if she says so, yes. So she talks about how she went about building that trust. We, of course, talked about trolls because as you can imagine with that many followers and, you know, building an influencer style business since 2016, she's had her fair share of troll interactions. So we talked about that. We talked about how often she and her family take vacations and how she manages because she takes more than more than I thought, um, more than I would assume. And she talks about how she manages that with her business, which I thought was really cool and such a cool idea. I asked her what her biggest challenge has been that she's overcome um, since growing, like over the years, growing her brand and business. I asked her, is there anything that she's regret over the course of her of her career. I've asked her what's the thing she's most proud of. Where does she see Loverly Gray in five years and more? And again, she was so forthcoming. She was so open. Like I said, I, I did my research. I listened to quite a few podcasts before just to, to get my feel for the things that she shared already. And she shared things that I that I haven't heard her share, which I really appreciated. And I know that she did that for you. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this. She is a freaking powerhouse and has so much value. I know not all of us listening have influencer style businesses, nor do I, but there are so many nuggets that you can take from this conversation to apply to your own business in terms of her mindset, in terms of her work ethic, growing a team, all of that is applicable for all of our businesses here. So anyway, enjoy. All right. We are here. I have the Brittany Shogren on the Six Figure Influencer podcast. Brittany, this is something that I've thought about so many times and I'm like, man, because I love following you. You're so like you are are freaking killing it. And I'm just so happy we're here. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's I love chatting with other boss babes and creatives. So this is going to be really exciting. It's going to be awesome. Um, I have, I've already told you, I have so many questions. I got so many thoughtful questions from my people as well. And they're really pumped just to hear about your life and how you got started and how you got here and all the things. So I did an intro before this. So I've given some background and I've already shared with you that I've done my research and I've heard like a lot of the things that you've already shared. So I'm going to be pointing people in the direction of your podcast um, so that we're not talking about the same thing again and again and again. Okay. But do tell us how you got started because you've built this, I mean, I'm just going to call it an empire, like what you've (laughs) done. (laughs) So how, how did you get started? Give us the nutshell version of how you got here. 
Okay. So I started Love Really Gray back in 2016, like beginning of 2016. I was working a corporate job. I was in sales for an IT staffing firm and I was an account manager. And in this job, I worked with probably like 50 other people, my similar age. This was like kind of right out of college, mid twenties. And I we worked, I was in the sales position and we had to wear business professional clothing because we were client facing. I was constantly like meeting with clients. So I needed to look professional, but I didn't want to just wear like a plain suit and, you know, just be like blah. So I was always looking at ways to like spice up my workwear wardrobe. And I've always been super into fashion. Um, it's funny. Sometimes I, tell people how when I was in high school, I had like an agenda and on the days of the week, I would write out what I was wearing, like on the day in the agenda. So I could like flip back and be like, Oh, I wore that combo. Like I'm going to like switch that top and wear it again here. And for like years, I would just like write out what I was wearing. So this is fashion was something I was like always very interested in. And so I wanted to be like, bring these fashionable options to the corporate workplace. And so I just started kind of like shopping for unique workwear. And then I would go back to my office and share with the girls in the office, like, oh, Loft is having 50% off. If you need like some tops to go with your pencil skirt, here's some really cute ideas or Target has like great workwear. And I would, I just started like sharing all of this. And so eventually a few of my friends were like, can, why don't you like share about this on the internet? Like nobody like blogging and influencing wasn't really like, I wouldn't say the word was influencing back then. It was more like writing a blog post. And so after some encouragement, a friend of mine was like, really like, you need to give this a go. So I started an Instagram account, started sharing like daily workwear outfits and then it just kind of, cause nobody was sharing workwear. Mm. So I kind of looked at like, what's going to make me different when I started my Instagram? Like what, why should somebody follow me? And because nobody was really sharing workwear and I was able to give like five workwear outfits that I was genuinely wearing every week, that's kind of how it all started. And then just kind of like, here we are today, six years later. Wow. So you knew, okay. And that's one of the things that I was wondering, okay, have you always been into fashion? Because you're, I mean, it doesn't take anybody five minutes to follow you to see that you, you know, how to throw together the best outfits (laughs) and how to accessorize and all the things. So, okay. So you've always had a passion for fashion Mm -hmm. and it started with workwear and you had, okay, so this was back in 2016. So you're, you're one of the OG trailblazers before, yes. I mean, this is before stories. This is before, yes. I mean, what, I mean, I feel like influencers and, and what we see, it's so prevalent now, but you, you were just somebody who was like, no, I, I like this. I want to give it a shot. And workwear is a, a, a space that I could fill. Yes. And it was kind of like, I would be, I wanted to do this if it made no money. Cause at the time I was just starting it as a hobby. I had my husband and I got married 
August of 2015, I was, I had spent all this time like planning a wedding. Then afterwards, I just felt like kind of this lull of like, what am I going to do with my extra time after work? We didn't have kids yet. And so that's when I was like, this would be a good time to like give this a go, start it as a hobby. It would just be kind of fun. There were other bloggers that I followed and like saw things on Pinterest, but again, like I just didn't see anybody giving workwear tips. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I just saw like there was a void here and then it eventually turned into, as I kind of got going within the first few months and sharing a lot of workwear on the weekends, I would share like a date night outfit or a casual outfit. And then, so I just started thinking of like, what events do people have going on in their life that they might need an outfit idea for? Mm. And so that's when I started adding like, oh, you're going to go after work to happy hour. Like, well, here's how you could transition your workwear outfit into like a happy hour outfit, or you're going to go take a bar class. Here's what you should wear to go there. Mm. So then the ideas and the posts became more than just workwear, but that's like really where it spawned from. And to this day, even though I haven't worked a corporate job in five years, I still try to provide workwear to my audience because that's it's still not a ton of people like really share that. I've noticed that actually. And I love that you do that because I work from home, but I love workwear anyway. And I I love just that whole boss vibe aesthetic. So I love that you do that to this day. Please keep doing that. for (laughs) us. I have so much fun doing it too. And, um, sometimes I'm like, gosh, I wish that I actually worked in like a corporate office. And we always like joke. They're like, you can wear the clothes here. Like you are. (laughs) Just show up in your three, your three piece suit with full blazer and heels there. It's fine. Exactly. (laughs) Have like a Wednesday work attire day, make Michelle and everybody (laughs) dressed in suits. I think that's a great idea. It's coming. It's a good idea for later. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. I can already see the reels. Okay. So my, one of my big questions for you that I know would resonate so much with the women that are listening is you started this while you were in corporate Mm -hmm. and it took off while you were in corporate. So how did you balance? Because I know you were also a newlywed and I don't think you had kids yet. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So you, but you had to find this balance and, and clearly in order to leave this job, like you were putting in the work early. So how did you make that balance? What was your process? So I spent a lot of times on the weekends prepping ideas. Uh, My husband, he also worked for the same company and just in a different role, but he started to travel a lot during like when I was first starting out, he took on a project that had like an international presence. So he was doing a lot of travel. Mm -hmm. So I had extra time after work, I would get home and I would basically, if it was a time he was traveling, I would block off from like six to 10. And even when I was home by myself, Mm -hmm. maybe watching TV and I was able to like prep content or write blog posts or come up with ideas. So that was key because I didn't have like an additional responsibility 
of a children or of like a husband at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now it would be so different to try to like work that in. I'm sure there would just be a different way I would figure out how to do that. But that really helped me be able to work really hard at first and get a bunch of ideas out there and kind of set like what my expectations for this hobby is mm-hmm. um and or what it was and um so that I think was how I really got it going and I would say like probably nine months in while I was working full-time I kind of went to my husband and I was like I feel like I could do this blog thing full-time what are your thoughts? And I knew I was going to have to give him like months of preparation because he was still very much like, there's no way. It wasn't a thing. He was probably, what are you talking about? Yeah. And you know, I was like, my corporate job was a six figure job. I was Mm -hmm. in sales. I had the opportunity to make more if Mm -hmm. I kind of worked harder. And, And so he was like, why would you give this up? And I was like, well, I think I can make more doing this job because there's a lot of like streams of revenue. It's not just like one way to get paid. Mm -hmm. And I think one mistake I made was not like showing him some of the financial gain I was seeing from it Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, So when I first started, you had to like apply to be on... LTK or reward style or any of these like shopping platforms where you could earn a commission back and you had to prove like your account had to show that you were going to be a resource to people. So from January until May, I posted on my Instagram without making like any income. It was just truly Mm -hmm. like, here's the outfits I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. I enjoy putting these together. I'm enjoying building this community, but like I was not getting paid for any of it. And then I applied to LTK in May and I quickly got accepted, which I was like, this is amazing. And so then I was able to start linking the outfits. So if people wanted to buy them, instead of me just saying like, this dress is from Loft and then they have to go figure out where it is, how to get it. I was able to start linking things and the technology was a little bit different. It was like when you would like it, it would go to your email. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's how people were able to start shopping. And I started to like see income coming in from that. It was nothing crazy at first, but I think from that time, May to December. So that first like year that I was on it, I think I made $14,000. Wow. From commission. Yeah. Which like I thought was pretty good because I knew people who were making like no commission, but posting the same, Uh it's just for whatever reason, it wasn't resonating. And so I had, I think I built up this audience in those first few months of this is what I'm going to be sharing. And one thing that I did that was a little bit more unique that maybe not everybody was doing was like, I shared like the fit and the size. And Mm. I walked people through like a lot of ways to wear it. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought of, if I'm going to buy this, like what would somebody else want to know when they go to buy it? Like, oh, this is a little weird. You might want to size down because I didn't want somebody to have to go out of their way to return it. 
but I also wanted to keep the commission. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wish I would have let him know this was like making money a little bit earlier, but I kind of had it set up. It like went into a different account. I kind of used that money to like put back into the business and buy outfits and style multiple things. And so even, I mean, you know, leaving a job to make $14,000, like I knew, I just knew that there were opportunities with partnerships and that was just commission. So I had started getting a few partnerships and I was like, I can consistently start doing this. And it kind of got to a point where I was like, I either need to go like hard on my Mm. sales job. Cause I was like, a, like one of our top sales people, but I was kind of like starting to dwindle a little because I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. Or I needed to like go hard. Like I needed to pick where I was going to put all this effort and time because I yeah. knew I could be really great at either one. So it took me a few months to convince him, but I eventually at the end of the year, I was like, let me just start full time January 2017. Um, and let's just see what happens. So it was kind of wild. Um, wow. But yeah. Okay. What's so cool to me about that is you making that decision after making $14,000. Yeah. Right? You know, <laughs> I mean, that to me, I think that's so cool because we now know in hindsight where you are now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I think it's safe to say you made the right decision. <laughs> yes. But but like that took some guts, right? And especially with Chris not being like, I mean, I'm sure he sounds so supportive and I know he's on your team now, which I want to talk about. But like, you know, him having some reservations in the beginning and you still advocating for yourself and even with the little results that which which were great at the time like wow this is I mean $14,000 is significant especially I'm sure for that period Mm -hmm. but to say like no I, I see the potential in this and taking that leap I would say so early on and going all in yeah It's, I think I just saw, and I mean, this is like before there was video content. Yeah. Like, so I think towards the end, I had a, like a Loverly Grace Snapchat account and people could follow like Snapchat. So I was like showing kind of more outfits. Mm -hmm. It was, I don't know. Sometimes I think back and I'm like, how did I do this before? Like stories, but that's what made, I think it even better once stories came around is I already had this community. And then I just, I started like sharing try-ons. It was, it was just so wild though, because it was definitely a leap of faith, but I was, I just had this feeling it was going to work. And so I came from the staffing industry and I was like, this doesn't work. I will just get a job. I'll just go back to staffing. I'm very marketable. I know how to like get a job again. Um, so I, I kind of wasn't really that worried about it. Mm -hmm. Thankfully it works out. Yeah. You knew you had a plan B, which Mm -hmm. I think is super helpful, obviously, in taking any kind of leap of faith. 
but you mm-hmm. still went all in. And what I'm hearing, what I've heard from, from the podcast that I've listened to and what you've put out is you treated Loverly Gray like a business from the jump. Yes. Like it started as a hobby. That's, that's what drew you to it, but you took it very seriously. I mean, you went straight into what posting twice a day, pretty much yeah. multiple blogs a week. Yes. Like it. So, and with my sales job, we had like a standing meeting 8am every day, but you needed to be like prepped for your day before that standing meeting. So I usually got to the office about like seven, seven fifteen, got my pre morning routine done. And then we worked until five, but if you had a client meeting or if like the work wasn't done, like you didn't leave. And so I worked in that job for four years. So it's just ingrained in me, like sales, like you get what out of it, what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mindset was already like that. So I just kind of translated like, this is, I'm going to get into this, what I put or get out of it, what I put into it. My husband was going to his job mm-hmm. that same, like seven to five, so I knew if I like got up, got ready, I could put that whole day into Leverly Gray and creating all this content. And I treated every like weekday as a work day. Mm-hmm. And that I think absolutely helped me that like second year and really helped keep that like sales mindset and just like really helped get me to where I am today. I mean, I still operate on we work eight to five, five days a week here. Beautiful. Um, and it, that's just like what works best for me. I have the time. This is dedicated. Mm-hmm. I know afterwards, like I'm off. Mm-hmm. Um, so like really setting boundaries with your schedule is like a must do in my opinion. I think people look at bloggers and, you know, if you're not in this industry, you've never grown a business online. And I think it's so easy to look at bloggers and be like, I could do that. Yes. How easy, could, how it's not fair. They make the money that they make, you know, just posting outfits. But I, there's a reason why I am not a fashion blogger and I've built this business. One, I have zero fashion sense, but also <laughs> two, I don't want to do that work. Like you yeah. have to do so much work. And I know you have this amazing team now and and we'll get into that, but I just admire you so much for, especially in the beginning, just really bootstrapping this business and working it out and holding yourself to structure and mm-hmm. a work ethic for what was, what started as a passion project, because yeah, like, that's why we're here talking about it today. No doubt. It's crazy. I think too, I once I saw like the consistency of like collaborations coming in, brands wanting to work with me, the dollar signs beside some of those, because not only was I like a super hard worker, I was actually like, they were getting their ROI from working with me because my people were actually buying what I was talking about. And so that's like also a whole other thing. Like you can do this job and you know, people can love following you, but like, if you're not a good salesperson, if you're not giving the right information, like you might not sell anything. Mm. And so then it's like brands might pay you less or they might pay you more if you're driving a ton of sales to them. So there was like this other unique formula that I realized that I really had to 
gain the trust of my followers and really figure out what it was that they were specifically wanting. What were the price points? What were, you know, I had to do a lot of like testing on the front end to deliver. And so I think really studying your audience and knowing that too takes a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And that's one of the first things that I noticed about you. I don't know if you remember this, but this is how I came across to you is I woke up one day, this was last year, probably about a year ago. Yeah. And I opened up Instagram and I had hundreds of new followers. I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) what is happening? A reel has gone viral. Like I did something wrong. (laughs) You know, my brain's like, Oh God. And I pull up my stories and you shared about me in your stories. And I can't even remember what it was specifically. And I was like, what? And your followers were so faithful. I mean, they were just like, cool. Brittany mentioned this chick. We're going to follow her. And I was just like, darn this, like your audience is so engaged, so trusting. And that's one of the things that I preach constantly Mm -hmm. is like, is it sexy to have a big following? Yes. But what's ultimately going to move the needle forward in a business is an engaged following. And I've seen so, I mean, you have a giant, 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 giant following, but I've seen so many businesses that are doing great, really, really well, millions of dollars who have less than 10,000 followers. Yeah. Because their audience is so, so trusting and engaged. So what would be, I know you clearly, you have such a pulse on your ideal client. That is obvious. You've done the work, you know, who you're speaking to, you know, what she wants to see. And you go the extra mile to showcase the outfits and how they move and all the things. Have you, or do you remember, or, you know, is there anything else you could share of like ways that you have increased the trust with your audience and engagement, like ways that you've, the things that you do, you're like, okay, I know that they're going to appreciate this and you've seen results from it. I would say one major thing that I started doing. So I guess it was sometime in 2017 stories became a thing on Mm -hmm. Instagram. And this was just like, you know, like stories now, another way to like engage with your audience. And so I started doing stories and at first it started out just as like a, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm Brittany. Like, this is what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm not even necessarily showing outfits, but then I kind of like, was like, hold on, like I can do video now with this. I could try these clothes on. Like it, it became different, but then they added this feature where people could message you Mm -hmm. and you can kind of have a conversation with a follower or reader, somebody who's consuming your content. And so at that point, I just started responding back to everybody who is messaging me. And yes, that took a lot of time, but I treated that as customer service. And so every person who messages, I mean, there are definitely people we just can't get to. I also have a team who helps me with messages because I am a brand. And if you think of like 
brands have customer service teams who will field questions. And so when people DM me and they're like, hey, what size did you get in this? To respond back and just be like, I'm wearing a size small if it's true to size. That's going to let them like, it's almost like an immediate purchase if you like respond back to them. And true. When messages first started and stories first started, like that you couldn't share like a link in stories. So like your direct like link to a consumer was sending them a DM with the link and then they could click it to purchase there. Mm-hmm. So I very early on just started interacting with people. And I think they like several people even to this day are like, you're the only influencers ever responded back to me. Wow. And I I know that like people who don't have like the business mindset behind this job don't see the importance in like direct communication with the followers, but I think it's very important. And so that would be like one way I think people have, they've just grown to trust me. And then, you know, I mean, I'm not just like trying to sell anything. It's like, I'm very particular about like the clothes that I'm sharing. I do reach out like occasionally and share other products, but Mm -hmm. I think like my bread and butter are people coming here to like shop outfits. And once they've tried it and it worked for them, then they're like, okay, I'm coming back. What else is she talking about? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I I love so much how, because we've already said like you, you take your business so serious. You've taken this and treat it like a business since day one. And what do most businesses have, especially stores, they have customer service. And you as an influencer, you're essentially a store that you get to just share like the best of multiple stores, which is amazing. And I I think I love that tip because I think that's one of the easiest things to let slide, especially as your, your audience grows. And I mean, that's something that I know I can be better at. And I love hearing you say that because it's like, okay, that just affirms I need to get support in my DMs. And Mm -hmm. if you can do it with 914,000 followers, (laughs) what the crap? Uh, I have no excuse. So thank you so much for that. And I think like the authenticity with the things that you sell or share and sell are things that you actually would buy yourself. It goes right. Like people can tell. I I have unfollowed people because I bought a couple of things from them, and the, the quality and just I, I don't know it. It was like, wait, you're not really wearing this, or that right. that quality. Like you sold the quality, and the quality is trash. And right. the first day I followed you, you shared these Nike sneakers. You shared how they fit. So it helped me pick the right size. And to this day, they're my favorite pair of Nike sneakers. So thank you. (laughs) Love that. It's (laughs) funny because when, I don't know, I feel like people just, if you trust somebody because they're sharing certain things, like you do kind of get like a connection with this person or with, you know, whoever it is. And when stories first started, I would actually wear the clothes on stories that I was like going to post my post about later that night. Mm -hmm. And so people would see me saying like, Oh, Hey, just talking, not even talking about the outfit. And then they'd be like, where's that from? And I'd be like, Oh, I just posted it. Actually. Like the details are here. And people would always be like, you're the only person I ever see, like actually wearing the clothes that they're posting about. And to me, I'm like, yes, because I want you to buy it. And so I want you to see that I'm wearing it. 
because I actually do wear it mm-hmm. to go out and do things. And so that's another thing, like you kind of have to, to like, I feel like that's another sales tactic, but just like, how is your, whoever your audience is and whoever you, your consumer is, how are they thinking? Like, what do they need to know about all of this for them to make the purchase? Do they need to see me wearing it a few times? Mm -hmm. Do they need to just know the fit? Are they just looking for something specific, like a dress to wear to a wedding? Like here's a few options. But that also helped me a lot to like gain trust is because I was actually using the products I was talking about. Perfect. Yeah. Thinking about that whole customer experience. What, how are they thinking? Again, back to Mm -hmm. the ideal client. So strategic. Mm -hmm. Ooh, we love that. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about when you decided to expand. So you went full-time January, 2017. Mm -hmm. And then when did you know, okay, I, I need some help. I desire some help. What did that look like? Cause now you have seven people on your team. You yes. have a full on business over there. So <laughs> talk to us about your, your decision-making when you knew it was the right time. I, I just was like kind of getting bogged down and I, I felt like I wasn't easily able to complete tasks, or I just needed another set of hands to like help some of these things get done. There weren't enough hours in the day to do everything I wanted to grow, to pump out the amount of content I wanted to pump out. And I had help with, like, I worked with a photographer, so we would like batch content. So I'd have a lot of like stuff to prep. Um, but it, I just kind of was like, I just need help doing more. And with another set of hands, another brain to kind of help come up with ideas, like surely that would just mean we will grow. Mm -hmm. And so it was December of 2017 that I hired my first full-time employee. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a friend of mine who was leaving her job. She worked in social media for a boutique And so I was like, this is kind of perfect. Like you're aware of the world that we're in, that I'm in. You have like fashion boutique experience. Um, And so that was my first hire. And I felt like after I had, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulder. Like I was like, we can like fly forward now because we've got two people helping. And then people were like, following along. Cause it was this cool story. Like, Oh my gosh, Leopard Gray hired somebody like, yeah. what, like, what is that person going to do? Like, wh- I didn't even realize this was like a business that you could have an employee for. So, I mean, it, I, a year after I was doing it full time, I was like, we need more help. And mm-hmm. I think even into like the first six months of having that person, I was like, I feel like we could hire more people and they could do more things. Um, I didn't hire and I like added my second team member. Actually, Chris was my second full-time hire. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. And he <laughs> does your financials. He does all of the numbers, accounting, that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. We kind of got to a point where I had been making more than him. Uh, Like it was, I was sort of like, this doesn't make sense. Like you're grinding at your job. Like Mm -hmm. we just had a baby and 
I was like, I'm trying to like balance being a mom, being a business owner, yet you get to leave and go to work every day. And Mm -hmm. I have to like do that. But like, I'm making like triple what you're making. Yeah. I was like, I feel like this is, doesn't make sense. And so I was basically, we kind of came to the decision. I was like, we need to hire somebody else to do the finance, like all the finances and, or you just need to come and help do it. Cause he was already doing it behind the scenes. Like he would do his job. And then at night he would like do my books Mm -hmm. um, or work with our accountant, go over contracts. Mm -hmm. And so then we made the decision to bring him on full time. And ironically enough, his he started with me February of 2020. Six weeks later is when the world shut down. <laughs> no big, no pressure, no big deal. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so, and I was pregnant with our second at the time. And so he kind of immediately became daddy daycare mm-hmm. because we pulled our daughter out of daycare because I was pregnant. We, you just didn't know. Yeah. And so he turned into like full-time like daycare so I could still work. Mm-hmm. And then he did his like work on the side or like after Collins was sleeping, which really was kind of nice because he had been doing that for so long. Right. Um, but then we quickly were like, okay, we need, we need to start adding on more help. So it was in 2020 that I hired a part-time virtual assistant and she helped my other assistant. And I really like just kind of do take some tasks off my plate. And then 20, I had another part-time like personal assistant who helped me And then 2021, I hired three people that year. Um, So yeah, it's just, we've just kind of been expanding ever since. So you move fast. That's fast. Yeah, it it was fast. And I think like when I hired Nichelle, um, Nichelle's role was a backfill position. One of my like right-hand man that I had before Nichelle, um, we lived in different areas because when I, when we, in 2020, we moved to Athens, which is my hometown. So I moved away from where my assistant was and I really needed somebody in person with me every day. And so it just wasn't, she lived in Woodstock. She was, she had just had a baby. Like it just logistically didn't work out anymore. So then Michelle was like, I mean, could not have been like a better hire. Mm -hmm. And I think her skill really helped set, help me set some really big future goals. And then we quickly started needing like additional hands because we were on track to like hit some of these big goals. Um, which I think I would have just kept going at the pace, but I wasn't going to get them to the next level if I didn't have more help. Mm. So that's really where I feel like, I mean, she was an excellent hire. Okay. So I have a question and hopefully this will make sense for you, but I think there's, because I just hired my first full-time employee and it was a, it was a struggle for me. It was a whole thing. And I know many people listening to this, this is something that they're struggling with as well. Even not even talking full-time, but just bringing on a VA and when's the right time. So you, obviously you went, I would say zero to a hundred. I mean, to me, that's fast in the, Mm -hmm. in the rate that you hire people, which is amazing. So 
my question for you is now in hindsight, do you think you hired like before it made a ton of sense? Like, like before, I don't know how to word that. Like maybe before, like the financially it made sense because you knew that eventually it would, you knew with the right people in place, the money would come. Or do you think it was like, no, it was, it was the perfect time. The money was there. And then we got to just roll with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think because I was seeing the money coming in with my first employee, I kind of like thought about it backwards. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to pay her like X amount, that's going to, out of a whole year, if I'm making this much, like, and I subtract her salary, like, yes, that's worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we will make even more than that. Like once she comes on, mm-hmm. Chris was much more hesitant. Like, are you, what? Like, yeah. or this? And I'm like, yes, we can. Like, yes, we can. Like, and we're going to make more. When have, we have I been wrong out. so far? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of, I think I just did it knowing that it was going to work itself out, which I don't know if maybe that's like not the best way to do it, but it worked. Like we busted it. We were able to like do more and work smarter. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I was talking with a friend one time and she told me, she took this like CEO kind of like entrepreneur class that was like a six month class. And one, I was asking her, I was like, how is it? You know, what have you learned? And she was like, well, one thing I learned was they asked us to give yourself as the CEO an hourly or an hourly um, rate. And so the teacher told us, you know, why don't you just say like you as a CEO make $500 an hour. So every task that you do throughout the day, if it's not worth $500 an hour, then you need to hire somebody else to do that task. So good. And I, that clicked and I was like, boom, let's go. Because I was like doing these things that I'm like, this is so tedious and taking so long, but I want to push this out. I want to make sure this is right for my community, but like, it's not worth my time when Mm -hmm. I could have somebody else that I train and teach and like teach the loverly gray way. And they can do that as their job. And then I can do things that are worth my hourly rate. So So that was like a huge turning point for me, I think, as far as like feeling this freedom to hire more people. So I would definitely recommend. And I tell that to people all the time is like, if you're on the fence, like think about it like this, even if it's not $500 an hour. Yeah. Maybe it's $100 an hour or $50 an right. hour. And there are things you are doing you should not be doing that yeah. other people would love to do and would be better at it. Exactly. I love that advice. Thank you for that. And and I think it's perfect advice. But I think the the thing to really consider with that, with like taking action and trusting that that the results are going to come is that you back it with work, right? You bet on yourself, but also you show up. And Brittany, obviously, I mean, eight to five, Monday through Friday, like you show the F up and you crank out content like nobody's business, which is why, again, you've built what you've built. Mm -hmm. So 
I love that so much. Thank you. You are inspiring me with every word that's coming out of your mouth. (laughs) So really quickly, because I know people are going to ask, you have seven team members. Can, Can you give like a breakdown of what each person handles just like high level for you? Yes. So there's me. I'm content creator, main face of the brand. Chris is a CFO. He handles all the backend contracts, not even really contracts as much, but all like communication with our outside council, mm-hmm. um, does all the books, like all the financial side. And then there's Michelle. She's a director of operations. She oversees all of the other employees. And she's also like my right-hand man, literally kind of does whatever. She also helps me with a lot of content creation, video, Um, she's like, if I can only have one person with me for the day, like she's going to handle everything. Mm -hmm. Then I have my virtual assistant. She helps me with like emails, newsletter creation, blog post creation. Um, she helps me do like collages and like Canva and like templates and LTK And then I have a communications manager. She helps with all like PR. She runs our podcast. She does all the editing for the podcast. But then Mm -hmm. she's also kind of like the, just like the out, like community outreach type person as well. Then we have our social media manager who helps with all of like kind of oversee all of my social channels. So Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram. She's kind of, helping come up with content ideas. She does a lot of like behind the scenes research on trends Mm. for different social platforms. And then, um, we have, I have a part-time personal assistant who helps run my Poshmark account. She, she does like office stuff, but then she also like walks my dog from time Mm -hmm. to time or like babysits my kids if we need it. Um, so that's kind of like a, overview of dream team everybody and, and I is think everybody we, besides your assistant um or your part-time assistant is everybody else full-time everybody is full-time so my VA is part-time and then my like personal assistant is part-time so mm-hmm. there's four full-time five including me um yeah Get and I think we're experience. even talking right now we're like okay we could hire another person right now and then maybe another one by the end of this year. So what would they do? I think the, we would, there's like, I need, I think Michelle needs an assistant. Mm-hmm. And then I think we could split up some of these other roles. Cause now some of the girls, they have a lot on their plate and I'm like, maybe they could do really good at their job if we took a few things off and they really honed in mm-hmm. on some of these tasks. So I think we can kind of move some tasks around and create another role. And then later this year, I guess a little like spoiler alert, um, mm-hmm. we have some merchandise coming out. Yay! Um, so that's going to be exciting. And so we all need another person to kind of help run all of that. And that is, there's a lot coming with that. Mm -hmm. So I think there will be a whole separate team that will roll with that at some point. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. You know, you're big time when your assistant needs an assistant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's so funny, but I'm like, I really, and part of me is like, I don't want you to have to do that because yeah. there's other things we could be doing. So we need to get you somebody to do that for you. But what's so so cool about what you just said is you're operating as the CEO of your business. Mm-hmm. You have put the structure and the team around you so you can see these things. You can oversee like, wow, she's amazing at what she's doing. She could be doing a lot better if we had additional support for her. Versus right. if you had half the team that you have, you might not be able to see that. And then you have these employees that are stressed and not really loving what they're doing and, you know, they're not being as effective. So you've, you know, you've put that structure around and that's something to be proud of. And it's very inspiring. And it's hard. Like do anybody out there listening right now that is like trying to figure out like where your role is and what you're going to give to somebody else. It is hard to like, I have a big problem with delegating. I've learned to make it not a problem, but it is hard at first to kind of be like, well, I'm, I can just do that better. Like I need to still be doing that. And it's, but once I started giving some of these tasks and seeing them getting done really well, and I was training them, they were doing it the loverly gray way, like how I wanted. And it was getting done in a better like timeline. Like there was so much that I was like, wow, I should have done that earlier. I wish I would have given that task to somebody earlier because they're thriving in it. I'm able to thrive in other areas. So I encourage you to take that leap. It's hard, but it's definitely beneficial once you let some of the delegation go. I could not agree more. That's something that I struggle with as well. And there's so many things that are just so, it just, it's easy to do, but Mm -hmm. it adds up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, I, I know the way that I like it and I can do it this way. And, but it is, you know, every time I hand something off to Sarah and I see how fast she turns it around and often better again, than I would do it. It's addicting. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, what else can I give away? Like, can you come wash my hair? Like, <laughs> you know, like, Ooh, this is exciting. So yes. I could not agree with you more. Okay. So massive team, massive growth. I wanted to ask you about trolls because you have this very engaged following, um, most of which love and adore you. But with any kind of following, any kind of presence, you're going to get people that don't vibe with you or that are just your average troll. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I know it's hard for me to deal with on occasion. I don't even get a lot and it it throws me off my game. And I know a lot of people listening, they, that's something that they're worried about. So Mm -hmm. what's been your experience and how have you navigated people who have been ugly to you behind the scenes or in public? It's, um, it's definitely hard. (laughs) I would say my audience is wonderful. Um, I don't see a ton of trolls, but I feel like it's very obvious what you're going to get from my page when you come there and any kind of like troll who does slip through the crap, um, the cracks are very, you know, they, they clearly it's a them problem. It's Mm -hmm. a jealousy issue on their side. And I think Mm -hmm. I've grown to understand that it took me a long time to not take that kind of like negative, like, shit talking to heart. 
because it's a representation of them. It's not something like, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and I'm fine with that. Like, I still like what I'm sharing. There are Mm -hmm. enough people out there that like what I do and want to support me, but it definitely stings from time to time, especially if it's something that is like hitting an insecurity you already are feeling about yourself or something that you're like, hmm, cool. And there's been times I've gotten down for like days over the one negative comment. It's like, I can't like, I get hundreds of positive comments, but the one one that is really negative, that's what I'm taking to heart. And that's what everybody must feel about me. Um, But I think just realizing that it's, it's, it's not a you thing. Like if you are actually in the wrong and you are getting called out for something, then that's different. Mm -hmm. But I, I know there's all these like troll websites and different things, online forums. And I made the mistake probably when I was like a year in of, I've stumbled upon one of these sites on, on Google. And I went down a rabbit hole for a few hours, reading all the negative things that people on the internet thought about me. And wait, they put you on a site. Yeah. Oh, they're like crazy, like blogger hate sites. It's (sighs) wild. And so I read all this stuff and I was just like, some of it, I was just like, this is so far from the truth. Like this is just getting like crazy. And after that, I vowed I would never look at any type of like negative thing like that. Cause that's just not going to do me well. Mm. There's just no positive to it. Um, we're very good about if you're going to be mean here, then you don't get to be here. So mm-hmm. block goodbye. Perfect. Um, I feel like I don't see a ton anymore just with help with like our social media. She kind of helps field things. If there's something I need to see or respond, you know, mm-hmm. I will do that. But I try to do it like being professional. Mm-hmm. I'm a brand at the end of the day. If And I also think too, like if I were to like go respond back to somebody and be like, F you, like da, 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 da they could screenshot that and also put that on the internet somewhere. And then that becomes a whole other thing. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't want to stoop down to these, this level of negativity, but it's, it's not easy. Thankfully we don't really see it a ton, but I just know it's, it's, it's a reflection on that person, not on me. Yeah. I love how you say you don't respond or you really consider that because that's hard for me. Again, I don't get a lot, but it's just every once in a while you get that person and it's like, are you serious? Let's, you want to rumble? Let's rumble. I know. And (laughs) And then I usually have to like, okay, that's, I want to say that I want to like throw some punches, but I'm like, it's not worth it. That's what this person wants me to do. They want me to get upset about it. So just block, delete, move on. And, Mm -hmm. and I think also that needs to be reiterated is when you get to the point where you might be featured on some negative blogs or sites, don't look. I love that because I think that would be something that I would feel like I need to look at just to know what people are saying and to be aware. But to your point, one, you can't stop it. And two, that's not going to serve you. And if it hurts the way you continue to show up moving forward, then they're winning. And at the end of the day, you just have to remember, like, it's like you said, a them problem, not a you problem. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
So one of the things that I've heard you say before is that you take a week-long vacation each quarter, which I am obsessed with. Yes. Yes. I started doing this back in 2020. I started it because I was about to have like a mental breakdown and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Clear my schedule. Like I'm going off the grid to just like regroup. Mm -hmm. And then I came back from that and I was like, wow, I feel so refreshed and so recharged. And now I like want to do all this other stuff. And then it just kind of was like, well, I should do this again. That was great. Like Mm -hmm. my business survived. I didn't like, because I took a vacation didn't mean that I like, wasn't going to be like gone off the internet. And so then I just was like, I deserve this. If you think about like a regular, anybody like else gets vacation time where they don't have to do their job. And my job is seven days a week potentially can be 24 seven, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. anytime I open up the app is a working hour for me. Mm -hmm. And so I just needed that time to like regroup and spend time with family or get things done and not feel like I was not doing work. Um, So I have loved incorporating that into, into my years. It's been great. I just wanted people to hear that because I think it's important. And I think like you, you're not justifying it, but I don't think you need to at all because at the end of the day, like you, you've created this business of your dreams and you're creating the life of your dreams as well. And if you decide, Hey, the life of my dreams has a vacation every quarter or, you know, some sort of family trip. Hell yeah. Because otherwise just work in corporate, you know, where somebody tells you what to do. (laughs) So I just wanted to talk about that. So I know you show up in your stories while you're on vacation. You do a beautiful job still talking about your outfits and things like that. But do you, are you mindful about batching content ahead of time? That way you don't have to work, you know, work much while you're there. Yes. So depending on where we are going, Um, so for example, we have a beach house down in on 30A that we, it's a rental property. We rent it out like most of the year, but we do go there to vacation as well. And a lot of times what I've started doing is I will fly Michelle down and she will stay for like the first two days and we will prep content for the week. Like, Mm -hmm. and we'll get all these outfit photos. We'll create content that we maybe want to use later. It's a beautiful area. So it's kind of like, why wouldn't we take advantage of Mm -hmm. shooting? Um, and then she goes home and I have my family vacation and then I'm not stressed about, okay, like we need to, I need to get photos for this, or I need to create this or hurry along. Like we need to, like stopping my family vacation to work, but it allows me to like scratch that itch at the beginning of the trip. And then we have like the rest of the trip to just solely focus on family, which has been really nice. Awesome. So you found these ways to relax, but I'm sure over the years, since 2016, you've had your fair share of challenges as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious it doesn't have to be the biggest challenge, but something that comes to mind, like a big challenge that's come up for you when growing your brand and business. And have you had moments where 
you're just, I mean, I know you just mentioned you, you were super stressed. That's why you took that, that vacation, but like, are there moments or have there been moments where like, wow, this is a lot. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. How did you navigate that? If, if there have been situations like that? Um, I would say I am a worrier. <laughs> um, and sometimes I wish I wouldn't have let like some numbers or like just get to me. Like I look back and I'm like, I used to worry so much about like, how's the engagement doing? Like, mm-hmm. how's this number doing? Whereas like, I saw the like financial number attached to it, like, which was fine. That doesn't matter how many people are engaging, you know, but I mean, you're putting all your Instagram is not a platform I own. And so mm-hmm. I am relying on this platform to push my content to the people it thinks I want to see. Mm-hmm. And so that was, is kind of a stressful thing. And so now I feel like I'm much more relaxed in the sense of I'm creating the content that I like, that historically I know my followers like, and financially I see a correlation with like, what I'm sharing is profitable. And so I think I'm a little bit more relaxed in that sense now. And, and it's kind of, it's fun. And and not that it wasn't fun at some points, but the anxiety and just like worrying about things that are out of my control. I feel like I'm doing a better job at that now. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's definitely like a very real thing. Oh, I can imagine every time somebody comes out with that big post, it's like the algorithm is changing. Everybody run for your lives. You're like, oh no, we just figured this out. So I can imagine is, you know, where that's, that's your office, right? Like I can't, uh-huh. that has well, and to like, cause. Another thing would, I would say like the comparison, you know, there are no rules. This is like being an influencer or being a blogger is a new industry. There are not really rules around Mm -hmm. here's like, like the standard of what you should do. You should post two times a day and you should do this. And if you do this, this will happen like in a corporate job where it's like, Mm -hmm. here's the book of our expectations, like do this and this will happen. And so I think there was a time where you're just trying to figure out what is working, but like the girl next to you is trying to figure out what's working for her. And you guys have two separate audiences, but you're like, well, that's working for her. Should I try that? And, and same thing. She's like, well, that's working for her. Should I try that? Like everybody's just trying to figure it out. And so I think not getting caught up in the comparison trap and because it works for you might not work for somebody else or it might work for them. It might not work for you, but like, just once you figure out what does work for you, like stay the course, put your blinders on and like do what ultimately makes you happy. And that's like where you will grow. And I think that that's such a testament to why you're so successful because this started off as something that you genuinely wanted to do. And it sounds like it still is something that you genuinely love doing. And we're Mm -hmm. in this day and age where we all can build something like that. It may not be something you're able to go full time into immediately, it might not look like fashion blogging, but you can build a business based around something that you love to do, especially nowadays. And, right. and the fact that you're able to, to tap into, instead of focusing on the analytics and the numbers and stressing, you can tap into, okay, I just, I know what my audience wants. I know my ideal client. And I actually like 
I just need to get back to the fun part and enjoying what I'm doing. And I think the level of trust too, I'm sure has a big part in that. Totally. Totally agree. Yeah. So one of the questions that I got was if you've had a mentor help you, um, cause it sounds like you taught yourself pretty much how to do most things, but have you ever hired a mentor along the way or? Yeah. So when I, back when I first started in 2016, I, I guess it was like maybe like June. So I was like six months in, you know, mm-hmm. and I hired this girl, her name's Megan McQueen and her Instagram is bloom into beautiful. And she kind of just like, I did like a two hour zoom call with her and she kind of gave me like the one, like the, like influencer, like one Oh one kind of mm-hmm. like, here's like what you need to know to like be successful. And it was kind of like a, a starting point, a kick, like, like it helped me kickstart. Um, and just gave me ideas. It was like, I feel like I'm what I know what I'm doing, but like maybe talking to somebody else who's like been in this industry or who like has seen the success from talking to other people. And I feel like it was very informative. I know she still offers like this type of class. She actually like offers a lot more now, but that was really the only time I ever like had a mentor had like outside help. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was not like, it was just a very, it was like a one-time thing and Mm -hmm. she and I became friends, but I very quickly was like figuring out what was working for me. And so I just kind of like kept going there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think having a mentor is great, but you have to also be willing to do the work and research on your own. Mm-hmm. I People all the time come to me and they're like, can you give me some tips? I want to start out. Like, what should I do? And they're wanting me to give them like a lot of information. And I'm like, okay, when I first, before I even started, I was on Pinterest. I was looking, I was studying other people that I like enjoyed their content. I was seeing like, okay, so they're posting at eight o'clock every night. I wonder why. Okay. I'm sitting here at eight o'clock, like mm-hmm. scrolling. This makes sense. You know, so I just, I just kind of started paying attention and I did all this research on my own and that really helped me get to where I am today. So it's not going to be like something where you can go ask somebody and they're going to tell you everything and every single thing is going to work for you. Right. Yeah. You have to be willing to put the work in yourself. Um, but you I also, yeah, having a mentor is great and can help guide you, but you also have to like do the work beyond that to grow. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. You got to put in the work. You have to want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. And success leaves clues, especially with your type of business. I mean, all the things that you do that work, you can see it. And you've told us what you do behind the scenes. So now you have the full picture. But I know people are wondering, like, would you ever take on clients? Like if somebody wanted to hire you and pay mm-hmm. you as a mentor, or would you ever make a class? Have you ever thought about that? I have thought about doing a class um, or doing like a, yeah, I guess kind of like an online class or like book of like, here's how to be successful. Or I kind of think I would have more to offer from some, for somebody who's like 
started out, they're a few years in, they want to like take it to the next level. Yeah. But then I also feel like I have a lot of tips on like, if you're first starting out, like things that would be really important to consider before starting. Mm. I've thought about it, but I don't, I don't know. It was on the like goal list last year was to like do a course. Mm -hmm. And then I was just kind of like, I just don't know if I really want to do that or if that's really like the direction I want to go in right now, but maybe eventually, maybe eventually Mm -hmm. people are like, please. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. I have a couple more questions for you just to close out that I know would be super interesting and valuable, but I was curious What's something that you've done over the course of your blogging and brand building career that you would change or that you regret? If anything, there may not be anything. I feel like I don't necessarily regret anything, any mistakes I felt like I might've made. I think Mm -hmm. we're stepping stones to get to where I am. Um, I think kind of going back to just like the worrying less about what like and doing what I was all like keeping the blinders on, like not worrying about what so-and-so is doing. I wish I could have learned that earlier. Um, as far as like a second guessing on like, is what I'm doing working for me? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is like just confidently keep going instead Mm -hmm. of like worrying, well, could I be doing more? Should I be doing something different? But other than that, I, I feel like anything negative or any like thing I regret it. I can't really think of anything, but I know I just would turn it into like a stepping stone to move forward. Absolutely. What's something that you've done over the course of your career that you're most proud of? I would say, I mean, growing this community that I have is unbelievable. I mean, I feel like I'm so proud to wake up and get on my platforms and like be there for people. And some of the messages that I've received of just like things that make me feel like I didn't, I'm just doing this because I love doing it and it's impacting people in such Mm -hmm. a way that I think that is one thing I absolutely love hearing, but it keeps me going. Um, And so I'm very proud of this community that I've built and like, I'm very proud of the hard work I've put into this to like, make a future for my family. And, you know, I, I think it's really cool to be able to do that within like a six year time frame. Insane. And where do you see Loverly Gray in five years? We know merch is coming, which is exciting. Yes. So, and I know you're moving so fast. So you're like, everything's happening now. <laughs> I know. I think we will, I'll eventually have a clothing line. Um, that's something that we are like in the beginning phases of working on. I kind of always have wanted to have a brick and mortar store. I'm not really sure how that will work in the future, but I would love to have like a place where people can come and shop with me and Mm -hmm. shop my clothing line and like other things that I really love. So I think that will come. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I see like the team expanding. I think we'll offer probably more like just more services, more like styling services. Mm. And, but I think the biggest thing will be, um, the clothing line and 
just kind of like wherever that will take us from there. And we are wanting to start a foundation mm-hmm. probably within the next two years. So we love giving back and giving back to our community. Charity work is very important to us. So I think we'll have something specific on that side of the house. So that'll be really fun to, to run as well. Thank you so much for your time and being so open and sharing all of the juicy details. I know I have taken so much away from this. I'm about to go put uh, applications out for like five job or job descriptions for five different people. So yes, I'll send my Chris to you. When <laughs> yes. I'll be like, he can talk. Hey, Brittany. <laughs> the Chris's can uh, have some conversations. Right. It'll be good. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And where can the world find you? Yes. So they already on- have, but the five people that haven't. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, you can find me at Leverly Gray. And then I have a podcast as well. Um, we are actually starting back up season three on May 3rd. Um, and the podcast is Life with Leverly. Life with Leverly. And of course, we're going to link all the things. Brittany, thank you so much. You yes. are a badass. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. This has been awesome. Hey, friend. Thank you so much for listening. My goal is to help as many women as possible. And if this episode supported you in any way, the very best way to show your appreciation is by simply screenshotting this episode and sharing on your social media or with your team, or even better, dropping me a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Don't forget, if you're looking for additional support, you can always reach me on Instagram at Reeves. And or you can join us in the free Six Figure Influencer Facebook group. See you back here next week.